Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now, your host, James Swanson. What a game last night, Thursday night football. Can you believe all the fireworks that we had in that game? Rams and Vikings, if you would have looked at that game, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season when the schedule came out uh, back in May or whenever it was, if you look at that game and you think this is a 20-17 to 17 type of game, two teams that can really play defense, well, it has not lived up to that script for the Vikings so far this season. A little bit concerning for them, but wow, if you just look at the game, take a step back, and I, I was able to watch all of the game last night, and that Rams offense is legitimate. Over 1,000 yards combined in this game, 38-31 Rams, they get the win and, and wow, just what a start to week four in the NFL. Hi, everyone. I'm James Swanson, and this is Pad the Stats, the only fantasy football podcast you're ever going to need. We give you everything up to date, um, whether it's waiver wire talk, whether it's you know drop ad trades, everything. Um, we can help you out. We can give you the best advice. So again, I always say this at the end of the show, but don't be afraid to hit us up at Pad the Stats on Twitter. I'm also going to be have some big and a pretty big announcement today. We're going to be on Spotify um, here pretty shortly. I just submitted today. We were on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio before. Now the podcast is going to be featured on Spotify as well, so that's big news for the podcast. But uh, but welcome everyone into the week four preview, and of course we have to start right there uh, Excuse me, with that Thursday night recap from last night. And what more can you say about Jared Goff and this Rams offense right now? I think the biggest question uh, that we have to ask ourselves that I, when I stepped back and I looked at this game and examined it, examined it, um, you know, I was kind of putting together my notes and I asked myself, I said, is Jared Goff a QB one the rest of the season? And I think legitimately you have to ask yourself that he's going to be in that top 10 conversation right there with Kirk Cousins. With guys like Matthew Stafford, maybe even creeping up into that Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger area. And we've seen some downplay from Deshaun Watson so far this season. Hopefully he can rebound. I had him as my QB8 going into the year. So Jared Goff is in a nice position to position himself into the top 10 in the quarterback conversation from fantasy the fantasy landscape. He was 26 to 33 last night, 465 yards and five touchdowns, 14.1 yards per attempt. This was just a night of big plays. I said at the top of the show, fireworks. I mean, right and left. The dime, that that throw that he made in the corner of the end zone to Cooper Cup when he rolled right, and it looked like he could have checked it down to Todd Gurley in the flat at about five yards, and he let it rip with two defenders right on the back of Cooper Cup. That was impressive. That was a very, very impressive throw that when Jared Goff came into the league, and Carson went went second, and Jared Goff went first, we all thought at the end of that first season, we're like, Jared Goff is going to be nothing, nor did we think he could ever make a throw like that. And wow, did he rip it. That was impressive. The throw down the seam to Robert Woods in the second half, I believe it was, was impressive. And and the wonder to Cooks was a, a dime. Uh, that thing was on a line. Uh, he put a little bit of air under, but he really let that thing rip. Um, it just really impressive stuff. And, and the fact that, look, this is as much as Jared Goff, uh, you know, him doing things, making all the throws, that's part of it. But Sean McVay is putting him in a situation to succeed big time. 
If you watch that route, that first touchdown to Cooper Cup, that, what, 60 or 70 yarder that he threw, he got him matched up on a linebacker, uh, you know, kind of coming coming out of the slot in motion and, and ran across the formation, got him matched up on a linebacker. Well, at 10 yards down the field, that's over with. That play is over with. There is no way he's going to be able to run with Cooper Cup at 15, 20 yards, let alone where the ball is completed at 35 yards down the field. So those are the types of things that help a young quarterback succeed in this league. And Sean McVay is putting Jared Goff in situations to succeed at every single turn. It's a thing of beauty to watch right now. And the Rams offense is clicking on all cylinders. Um, Look, from a fantasy perspective, I was a little bit mad at it. Uh, I was playing against Goff, put up 55 points against me in one league, which is disappointing. I had Todd Gurley. I think I countered with like 23 points from Gurley. Um, but if you look at the numbers now from for the season, he's now completed a little over 78% of his throws in the last three games. Uh, that's remarkable. He has 11 touchdowns to just two interceptions. And if you look at the upcoming schedule for Jared Goff, if you're somebody who's considering starting Jared Goff as your fantasy quarterback moving forward, somebody who is probably on the waiver wire to start the season who wasn't drafted, uh, it's not that bad. They go to Seattle next week, then at Denver, then at San Francisco. So it's three road games, but the mile high at Denver is not what it used to be. At Seattle is not what it used to be. Three years ago, that would have been an awful, awful schedule or two or three years ago. Um, it's not that bad anymore. At San Francisco, they've had some struggles there as well, stopping offenses. We saw what Patrick Mahomes was able to do, that 49ers defense. And then Green Bay at New Orleans, and then Seattle again, then Kansas City, and then the bye. So this looks like a good schedule. Um, now, the playoff schedule for Jared Goff, if you're looking a little bit farther down the road, they, he goes to Chicago and then Philly at home and then to Arizona weeks 14 through 16. Not great, but it's manageable. And, and I shouldn't even say that. The way this offense is clicking right now, they can score on anybody. So it's almost matchup proof. It really is. Unless you have an inevitable, very, very, very tough matchup, uh, a short week like at Philly or something, which they don't have on the schedule right now. Um, I, man, I just cannot get away from this offense. I think you can ride Jared Goff for the foreseeable future until things start to go the other way and start to cool down. They've just been that good. Um, let's look on the other side of the ball, though. Uh, Kirk Cousins was not too shabby himself. 36 of 50, 422 yards, three touchdowns, 8.4 yards per attempt, added 28 rushing yards on top of that. Uh, he's had, you know, he had 39 points for me in one of my leagues, and for, it was actually 41 before the fumble. He came into the night as QB8, and Goff was actually QB9 coming into the night, um, was tied for Roth, Ben Roethlisberger for the most pass attempts coming into week four, 139. He now is 189 on the year, and for the season, he is on pace for 756 pass attempts. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Kirk Cousins is going to break all sorts of records. While we know that's probably not going to happen, the NFL record for pass attempts in a season, Matt Stafford, 727. Second is Drew Bledsoe, 691. So probably going to temper off a little bit, but I still think Kirk Cousins is right where I had him, uh, which was right inside my top 10. And... I still like him to finish somewhere around there. Again, I think he's going to be right in that golf range. I think him, Roethlisberger, Rivers, 
it's all going to be pretty similar um, right in that range. Deshaun Watson as well. Um, they're all going to be in that 6 through 11 kind of range there. Um, so, so both these quarterbacks season long are going to be good starting options for you. Very rarely are you going to find a matchup where you just do not want to start them at all. Um, so plug and play both Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. Look, I know some people are going to be like, it's Jared Goff. There's going to be some games up and down, but this Rams offense is so explosive right now. I just don't think you can get away from it. And Kirk Cousins is going to keep chucking the ball like he is. Then you can't get away from him either. And we got to get plenty of love to the receivers in this game. I mean, oh my gosh, wide receivers combined. 51 targets, 40 receptions, 637 yards, and five touchdowns. Uh, this isn't Madden stats that I'm reading, people. This is real life. This is what happened last night. Five receivers combined for 40 receptions and five touchdowns and over 630 yards of receiving. Uh, I'll run through it real quick. You know, Diggs, 15 targets. Thielen, 12 targets. Cup, 9 targets. Five targets for Woods, but he caught all five for 101 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Cooks had eight targets, seven receptions. So 116. All of them went over 100 yards. All of them had a touchdown except Diggs. Um, it was just an awesome, awesome night for fantasy. If you're a fantasy owner, all these guys are owned. They're probably all started in your leagues. I do feel bad. I have to tell a quick story. We were talking about yesterday about um, Pat had a what he thought was a pretty tough flex uh, option, uh, John Brown or Cooper Cup. And I'll be honest, I told him John Brown because I felt like with with we'll get to that game in a little bit. I actually don't want to give anything away. Um, but I felt like John Brown had the best chance to catch a 60 or 70 yard touchdown pass. That's exactly what I told him. And what do you know? Cooper cup is the one that catches that long touchdown and has just a monster game. So I feel bad, very bad. I'm sorry, Pat, for those 36 points that you left on your bench. Um, you know, and I told you wrong there. I'm sorry about that, buddy, but Hey, that's the way it goes. And, and, um, this, this receiving core for the Rams the only concern I have, it's not even really a concern, it's it's the revolving door of you don't know which one's going to get theirs each week. Because there's not going to be many weeks where all three go over 100 yards, and there's going to be weeks where Woods and Cooks are the guys that get six for 110, 120, and then Cup is the one that's five for 50, and he does if he doesn't get his touchdown, then it's not a good day, uh, or it's not a great day, not something that you want in a necessarily um you know in really any format so that's the only thing with this receiving core but again right now this Rams offense is just on all cylinders and then look uh, out of everything that went right in this game if we have to look at one big loser it is Dalvin Cook and I said I was nervous about starting him I did sit him in one of my leagues I started Philip Lindsay and Carrion Johnson over him because this was my concern short week against a very, very good uh, front four of the Rams. And off that hamstring injury, I was just worried. I felt like he was going to be on a pitch count. I did. I felt like he was going to be on a pitch count, and that's exactly what happened in the second half. Finished the night, 10 carries, just 20 yards. So for the season now, 36 carries, 98 yards in three games for Dalvin Cook. Nine catches, 107 yards. It's been a disappointment for somebody that I was really uh, you know, chirping up a little bit in the preseason during draft season. I still think he has a very good chance to get going here at some point. This is a talented running back on a good offense. Don't panic just yet. Hold on to Dalvin Cook. Um, if you can buy him low, I absolutely would buy him low at this point. 
Um, he's going to be somebody that, you know, you're you're going to get what you asked for uh, or what you were expecting eventually from Dalvin Cook. And speaking of guys who, look, have underwhelmed so far a little bit due to injury, uh, mostly due to injury for this player, and that's Doug Baldwin. And that brings us right into our league news and notes. And with Doug Baldwin, he is going to suit up this Sunday, it sounds like, according to Pete Carroll most of the time. I don't want to believe anything that Pete Carroll says, but it sounds like Doug Baldwin will be up in there. And this is a guy who I say fire him up. All systems go. I've heard he's looked good. He's looked explosive this week in practice, uh, you know, upon his return. So go ahead, fire up Doug Baldwin, and um, it should be a fine matchup. I think if you still want to play Tyler Lockett in your flex, if you're in a pinch, um, I, I still don't think it's a terrible play. But definitely play Doug Baldwin this week. Keenan Allen, he did miss practice Wednesday and Thursday. He returned to practice Friday, so that's good news. Looked like it was just precautionary. C.J. Mosley is expected to play Sunday night at Pittsburgh. He missed the last two games. That's a big one for the Ravens' defense. Alshon Jeffrey, shoulder and illness. He's expected to play, but again, uh, he could be on a pitch count. I would steer clear of him if you can this week. One more week without Alshon Jeffrey, and then next week go ahead and fire him up. Randall Cobb injured his hamstring in practice on Thursday. He didn't play practice on Friday. He's up in the air to play, so that's big for Geronimo Allison. Keep your eye out of there. If you have Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb does not play, I think uh, Allison is a very, very nice flex play in this game. Um, Devontae Freeman with that knee injury, he's going to be out another week versus the Bengals. Sticking with that game, Joe Mixon, he's going to be out with that knee injury as well at Atlanta. And then A.J. Green is... Uh, he's a full go. He's been removed from the injury report with that pelvis injury that he sustained at Carolina last week. Leonard Fournette is questionable. There's been a lot of questions about Leonard Fournette. Is he going to play this week? Is he not going to play? It looks like he's going to suit up versus the Jets. He has practiced the last two days. He is expected to play. And Darren Sproles is out with that hamstring still. Jay Ajayi with that back injury. It actually came out yesterday or the day before, I believe, uh, he has a he has actually has a fracture a small fracture in that back but it looks like he is going to give it a give it a go and he's going to try to play through that pain which sounds like there's a lot right now uh, Jack Doyle hip injury and Anthony Costanzo they're going to miss another game uh, versus the Texans this weekend LaShawn McCoy with those ribs is questionable play but he insists he is going to play um, but this is a guy again I think you can get away from if you can try to get away from from LaShawn McCoy just from the results we've seen with the Bills offense so far this season and also um you know just uh that those ribs you know I don't know how much they're going to just kind of let him roll this weekend. I don't know if he'll be on a pitch count per se, but it not might not be a partic- you know a specifically a what am I trying to say, a shady kind of game, right? Where he gets 25 touches and they just give him, you know, 5 6 receptions and 20 carries um, it might not be that kind of game carry on Johnson and Matt Breeder are two guys that I would rather play uh, over LaShawn McCoy this Sunday and um, look another situation if you have say you know LaShawn McCoy and the Packers running backs I would go shady in that situation just because we don't know who's going to end up taking the lead in that Packers backfield right now. Both guys could be good against Buffalo this weekend in that game, but that's a situation I want to kind of steer clear of for now. And finally, Eric Berry with the heel injury. He sounds like he will sit another week, so uh, the Chiefs defense is going to be without their leader 
for one more week. All right, let's get into the AFC home game preview. We have a slate of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games for you. We're going to start in New England at Foxborough. And the 3-0 Dolphins at the 1-2 Patriots. What? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Uh, Sunday, 1 o'clock. Wow. 3-0 Dolphins, 1-2 Patriots. Just sounds really, really weird. The Dolphins are allowing the 8th most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs this season, 28.3. They have allowed 22 receptions on 29 targets to running backs this season. So I think this is a game where James White catches potentially 6 passes, 50-60 yards. Could be a good play for you in a PPR league. Fire up James White. I think he has a decent game. Nothing crazy, um, but I think he can get you 12 or 13 points potentially this week, which is a serviceable, uh, you know, a pretty good flex play, um, you know, for this week. If you're at a 14-team league like we are, um, you know, he's a decent RB2 in PPR. Um, looking actually at the Dolphins' kind of their defense and what they've allowed to pass catching running backs. It's really been an even split. So it hasn't been just one game where they got blown up on week one, nine targets, six receptions, week two, nine targets, seven receptions, week three, 11 targets, nine receptions. So it's been an even keel teams have exploited them with their running backs out of the backfield. Um, the, the Dolphins run defense is also allowed over 100 yards on the ground in two of three games. So I think they're a little success, susceptible there. Sony Michelle had 14 carries at Detroit with Rex Burkhead going down. I would expect him to get a very similar workload in this game. 14, 15 carries is my expectations. Uh, expectation, I think he's a more of a high-end flex play, though, until he can officially prove himself. So not necessarily an, a, a very good RB2 this week. Um, I think he's kind of in that James White realm of that high-end flex play this week. Um Looking at the Dolphins' secondary, that has been one bright spot for them. Uh, well, they've had plenty of bright spots at 3-0, but on the defensive side of the football, they've done a nice job allowing just one touchdown reception to wide receivers this season. So when it comes to the Patriots' wide receivers, I think you need to sit them this week. Sit Chris Hogan and sit Josh Gordon if you can. In three games, uh, well, going back to Chris Hogan, in three games versus the Dolphins with the Patriots, Nine receptions, 87 yards, zero touchdowns. So he's not done anything while wearing the Patriots uniform versus the Dolphins. Um, and I just, he's just not done anything yet this year. It's except those two touchdowns in that one game. But really, from a receiving standpoint, from a volume standpoint, they have not gotten Chris Hogan going. I think he misses Julian Edelman taking away stuff in the middle of the field for him because Chris Hogan is not a true slot receiver. Um, he's a little bit better playing on the outside, and I think he misses Julian Edelman right now. Um, so I would sit Chris Hogan again this week. I would sit Josh Gordon if you can. Um, I just don't think you can start him yet, you know, based on the change of scenery. We don't know how he'll be used. We don't know if he's going to be any sort of on sort of pitch count. He still has that hamstring he's working through. He's learning the playbook. So I'm 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 just going to sit Josh Gordon, if you can, for another week. Now, some scenarios where you would start him, uh, you know, you would start guys over him, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Boyd, Kenny Stills, Geronimo Allison, if no Cobb, Mike Williams are all guys I would play over Josh Gordon. If you're in a pinch where you have, say, Quincy Inunua or Josh Gordon, with Quincy Inunua and, and, and the Jets at Jacksonville, 
I actually would go Josh Gordon in that matchup. And then Chris or Marquise Goodwin at the Chargers with uh, C.J. Beathard now at quarterback in place of Jimmy Garoppolo. I would go Mark or I would go Josh Gordon in that situation. And Corey Davis, just with what we've seen so far, and they get the Eagles at home. I don't like the matchup. I don't like where their passing game is right now. I don't know what Marcus Mariota's elbow is like. We still got to see more from that passing offense. I'll go with Josh Gordon in all three of those situations. And then start getting Drake in this game. Look, I know he's been really disappointing, but I do believe this is a game where he gets going. Maybe he doesn't explode, but I think he can get you 15 or 16 points in PPR. Um, The Patriots have allowed 15 receptions on 20 targets to running backs in the last two games. So it's an area where they can get exploited a little bit. Okay, on to the second game, second AFC home game, Eagles at Titans, another Sunday, 1 o'clock. And I mentioned Corey Davis again. I just am not confident in that uh, Titans passing stack yet with Marcus Mariota, first game back. And I mentioned Sid Alshon Jeffrey already. So those are my top two sits. Another one, my third one, Derrick Henry. We've seen the Eagles running defense, rush defense, been really good so far this season. They're allowing the least amount of rush yards to opposing running backs this year, 136 yard yards, and they're second best in points per game allowed with just 14.7 to opposing running backs. So again, it's been really frustrating with Derrick Henry. And look, out of out of some of the guys that I think you can buy low on, he's my least favorite. I'm holding on to him right now because I don't think you can sell him for anything. Um, but at this point, you, this is another game where you do not want to start Derrick Henry. I think you can get away with starting Deion Lewis in a flex play, but none of the, this offense just has not shown up to this point yet. Um, as far as the Eagles pass defense, I think it, the Bucks game was a little bit fluky. They have allowed just 25 receptions for 289 yards to opposing wide receivers. That was Matt Ryan and Andrew Luck's wide receivers combined. Um, so I think that pass defense and that defense as a whole is just really, really good still. I think they'll travel well in this game. I think this is a game where the Eagles win by 14 points, um, and I don't expect the Titans to get a whole lot going again this week. And then the next game, uh, another Sunday, 1 o'clock, Texans at Colts, another uh, division game, AFC South, a game where you want to stay away from the Colts' backfield. Texans allowed nearly 100-plus yards to running backs in all three games, which doesn't sound bad. But it's hard to tell who's going to get the workload in this game. That's the biggest thing here. With uh, Marlon Mack potentially coming back with that hamstring injury, I do think he's going to play this week. He still is my favorite Colts running back year long. I still think he has upside RB2 value. If he can get those 15-plus touches a game, but it's not going to happen this week, I don't think. It's still a situation to avoid until they kind of figure things out, until Marlon Mack gets back into the flow of that offense. So stay away from the Colts running backs. Um Look, you're going to start T.Y. Hilton. You're going to start um, Eric Ebron in this matchup. I think, um, you know, the Texans have allowed touchdowns in two of three games to tight ends this year, so I think it's a good spot for Ebron, especially with Jack Doyle out. Um, Andrew Luck is one where I've been talking about this before. I think you should probably look to start Matt Ryan. You should look to start, well, Matt Ryan's an obvious one at home with the way they played last week. He was actually in waivers for me. I was able to pick him up. It was a no-brainer, so I am starting him over Andrew Luck. I also actually was able to pick up Phillip Rivers in a 10-team league. I'm starting him over Andrew Luck in a league. I think you should start Andy Dalton over Andrew Luck this week as well. Just have not seen enough from that Colts passing attack yet to, you know, 
get me, you know, help me feel too confident about them yet. I still think we need to see more from Andrew Luck in his recovery process coming back from that shoulder injury. One spot here where I think the Texans can exploit the Colts. I think the Colts defense has played pretty well so far, particularly the pass defense and the secondary. Um, but they're allowing the second most receptions and third most receiving yards to running backs this season. Lamar Miller, the last two seasons for the Colts. Get this. If you want to talk about a, you know, a bona fide just tr- game script, game flow, the way it can go for you and the way it can go against you, perfect examples. 2017, two losses for the Texans versus the Colts. He had just 18 carries, 94 yards, three receptions, 34 yards in two combined games. In 2016, two wins for the Texans versus the Colts. 45 carries, 256 yards, two touchdowns, four receptions, 44 yards, and a touchdown. So three total touchdowns, uh, you know, nearly 300 yards or exactly 300 yard total yards of offense for Lamar Miller in those two 2016 wins. So I think that the, the game script... Look, I think the Texans are desperate at 0-3. I think they get back on track a little bit this week. I think they get a win at Indy. And um, I'm expecting good things from Lamar, Lamar Miller catching the ball out of the backfield and running the football a little bit. Um, I think that's about all we got from that game. You know, obviously you're starting DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I know he's banged up a little bit right now, but you got to suit up your studs, and he's one of them. Jets at Jaguars, another 1 o'clock game on Sunday. Sit all the Jets if you can. I know I said that, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills at the Vikings. That kind of made me look dumb last weekend. But this is a situation where you want to sit the Jets if you can. Sam Darnold on the road. Tough matchup. I don't like Quincy and Nunwa this week. I think the only one that maybe you can start is Bilal Powell. If you're in a pinch in a, in a flex spot because they're going to be behind more than likely. They might have to throw the ball. And he might be the, you know the one who gets the, the bulk of the work out of the backfield, catching the ball out of the backfield in that spot. Um, not excited about Isaiah Crowell in this matchup. Stat of the game, uh, Jets have allowed just five receptions to tight ends in three games this year. So the Jets have done a very good job of defending the tight end to this point. Austin Safarian Jenkins, you're just going to want to keep that in mind when, when, you're, when you're looking at tight end options. I know it's pretty thin right now. ASJ might be one guy I try to get away from based on those numbers, based on those trends so far this season. Okay, let's get into the late games. Browns, Raiders, Sunday 405 in Oakland. Raiders have allowed just 10 receptions for 105 yards and zero touchdowns to tight end so far this season. Um, so David Ajoku, I still want to wait one more week until I fire him up. I want to see what he does with Baker Mayfield before I put him in my starting lineup if I can. Um, Eric Ebron is somebody who I'd rather start over him. Even George Kittle this week. I know with C.J. Beathard coming in, but I want to see, I I just want to see Najoku do it first. I'm I'm just going to see kind of how the target share is this week uh, with Baker Mayfield under center for a full game until I give Najoku the starting nod. Um, In in terms of other things in this game, look, I know the game that Jordy Nelson had last week. I still do not want to get on that bandwagon yet. I'm not starting Jordy Nelson. I think, uh, you know, Amari Cooper is a tough one in this situation where you're probably in a situation where you have to start Amari Cooper, you know, particularly if you're in a 14-team league, you're going to have to start Amari Cooper, but I'm not excited about it. I think this Browns defense has played well. Not many DFS options in this game for the Raiders passing attack. Um, On the Browns side of things, you know, the Raiders have allowed the least amount of receptions to opposing running backs this year, just eight tied with the Steelers for the least amount of 
of receptions to opposing backs. So if you think that this is a game where Duke Johnson's going to get going, maybe not. Um, I think Carlos Hyde can use, do some things in this game. You're going to want to start him as an RB two. But overall, there are some you know you know some starts, some sits in this game. It's a little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, this is an interesting one. I don't know who wins this game to be honest with you. I think the Browns have a real shot here. Um, it's a tough spot traveling to the West Coast. I almost want to lean Browns and say the Browns are going to win this game, and I, I think I will. I think the Browns actually might be able to pull this one out. Staying on the West Coast, 49ers at Chargers, 425 Eastern time in L.A. Look, start Matt Breida if he plays. I still think he's going to be an RB2. I mentioned this before, even with C.J. Beathard um, throwing. We've talked about the stat, 50 targets, to Carlos Hyde when he played with Carlos Hyde in a limited amount of time. I think it was six or eight games. So he's he's shown a track record of throwing to the running back. I think that Matt Burita probably fills that role. So if he plays with that hyperextended knee, I think you're going to want to play Matt Burita this week. Start Mike Williams. Mike Williams is somebody that has really burst onto the scene last game, had a couple touchdowns so far. And um, I think Mike Williams is in a good spot against that 49er secondary again this week. And then Marquise Goodwin is one where you want to sit him. Just want to see what C.J. Beathard, kind of what connection, which wide receiver in that Niners offense he gravitates towards. So I think you want to sit Marquise Goodwin for this game. And then the last game of the the Sunday slate in the AFC home games is, is Ravens at Steelers. Should be a good one Sunday night, 820. Alex Collins, 29 touches, 248 total yards, one touchdown against the Steelers in two appearances, um, start Alex Collins. I think he's in a good spot, and he's played well against the Steelers so far, judging just by those numbers. They found ways to use him effectively, and he ran all over them when Ryan Chazier went out last year. And then start John Brown. Steelers are without Mike Hilton in this game. Um, This was the guy that I mentioned earlier. I said I was going to get into this, that I told Pat to start John Brown over Cooper Cup. I still I regret that, obviously, in hindsight, but I still think this is a game where John Brown finds the end zone on potentially a long pass. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes over 100 yards in this game. Again, Steelers are without Mike Hilton. Artie Burns has not played particularly well to this point. I think he's, I, I don't know if it's a, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, what am I trying to say? Kind of a confidence, confidence thing at this point with Artie Burns. Um, you know, but they have a rotation at that cornerback spot opposite Joe Hayden. I think that's a spot they can have, you, they can exploit if Joe Hayden is matched up a lot with, say, Michael Crabtree. I think uh, John Brown, if they can move him around a little bit, um, they're going to find some favorable situations to throw to John Brown. And then C.J. Mosley, if he plays, I think James Conner won't be quite as appealing, but you still probably have to start him. Look, you're starting Juju, you're starting A.B., um, start Ben in this game, the track record versus Baltimore at home the past few games. I mentioned that last podcast. Go back and listen. It's exceptional. He's been great against the Ravens at home. Um, so you got to start those guys. I think Vance McDonald's an okay play in this game. If you're looking for somebody that you have to stream, I'm playing him in the lead. In, I have Jordan Reed on a bye. I think Vance McDonald was my next best option at the tight end position. I like him over Ricky Seals-Jones. I like him over a couple other guys over ASJ. So Vance McDonald, not a bad option this week. Um, But yeah, start your studs in this game. It could be a high-scoring one. All right, everybody, that's all we have today for Pad the Stats. 
Um, we're going to be back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a podcast. I might do another live podcast. I might try to stream it on Twitter this time. I haven't really decided yet. Gonna do the NFC home games either tomorrow or if we do a live stream, maybe Sunday morning. So look out for that. Until then, I'll have this podcast up shortly. Talk to you next time, everybody, and enjoy the games this weekend. Bye-bye.